love wins. Love is something that everybody needs. I I, I tell people that if you're going to solve houselessness, you have to solve loneliness first. Because that's what really all of this stems from, is loneliness. Hey, I'm Jesse Keenan, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and here we are together again, getting our good on. This is World Gone Good, the podcast that shines the light on everyday good people, making good things happen each and every day. Hey, here's a little something you can do that's kind of good, kind of cool, kind of neat and new. You can support us on our Patreon page, where we share extended audio clips of our upcoming shows, catch-ups with former good guests, and I hear there's even some crazy fun videos that some guy named Steve put up. Um, I make these oatmeal pancakes. They're four ingredients you don't want to miss out. That's all I'm saying. It's a good, fun way to get you some more good. Visit patreon.com slash worldgonegood. Support the show. Get more good. Patreon.com slash worldgonegood. Okay, here's a question. Do you believe one person can make a difference? I'm talking a true, real-life difference. Or, or... Have you become so jaded in the last few years you don't believe anyone makes a difference about anything anymore? You need help. Seriously. The first step is admitting there's a problem. You are the problem. Wait, what is it? What is happening? What is what is what is what am I doing? Okay, we're podcast. I myself speaking for me here. I I believe one person can make a difference. And sometimes that difference just takes showing up. And to prove my point that I am right and you are wrong and jaded again i've invited on today's good guest jesse keenan is that one person who made and continues to make a difference through her organization the orange cooler project this is her good journey Jesse Keenan, we met through our mutual friend, John Ford. How do you know John Ford? You can make up a big lie and then tell me the truth. Oh, uh, I met John Ford at the John Ford Center. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Betty Ford Clinic. It's just a little different. Exactly. You know, (laughs) Um, and so now I'll tell you the truth. I honestly can't remember. (laughs) That's amazing. But was it through you? You both do voiceover. So was it through the voiceover world? I'm sure that, yeah, we've um, we're in uh, there's different circles in the voiceover world, you know, different workshops that you've gone to different, you know, auditions you've been on different things you've been cast in together. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to actually hang out with each other. So a lot of us go like, we'll go to the fat dog in um, North Hollywood on Magnolia there, like for somebody's birthday or whatever. So yeah, it, it's everyone, it, we're kind of in like a group of friends. How long have you been doing voiceover? I've been a singer since I was six, I think it was. Um, I was one of those star search kids. Uh, Star Search for people that don't know what it was was it's like the the original American Idol. Everybody watched it. Everybody, and there was like singers, and there was dancers, and there was models, and there was all different types of 
you know, things. It was was a talent show um, hosted by Ed McMahon. And so when I was 12, I came out from Iowa to do that. So I was really a singer up until I decided to get into the voiceover world via, I, I literally started taking every workshop I could. I would volunteer for things I couldn't afford, uh, which is a which is a really cool thing to do. I mean, it's, you know, it's free work for them and it's free education for you. Um, let's see. But yeah, it's been um, five years, six years now that I've been in the voiceover world, you should say, I could say. Sure. I remember Star Search. I'm old enough to remember Star Search. Uh, you are? Did you... Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Did you compete against somebody else like on the split screen and then we had to get the stars? Did you get the three stars, the four stars, the five stars situation? Totally. And the first uh, show I sang, When You Wish Upon a Star, and my competitor, I can't remember his name, but he had won nine times before that. So it went down to an audience judge at the end because we tied. And so the audience chose me. So I ended up winning that show. Uh, and then the next show, this kid named Lance Callahan came on and he sang the song memory from cats. And that was like huge in the eighties. So of course he, and his, his voice was amazing. So he won and my star search, uh, journey was over. It was a short lived journey. (laughs) It was a short lived journey, but it was, and I know Lance now to this day. Um, I don't know about the other kid. I should look him up. <laughs> he's, he's 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 somewhere very very sad i'm sure still he's with all of his instruments because he, he kept going on about every one of his family members played instruments that's and i remember bits and pieces of my childhood <laughs> that's so funny did you get to stay the week in la when this in between yes they they put us up at a hotel that was not near mcdonald's oh. <laughs> And I, I was an Iowa kid. I'm like, I want, I want a Happy Meal. <laughs> you know, I want Pizza Hut. Otherwise, there is no other food. <laughs> That's so great. Where did it film in, in L.A.? Was it in the Valley or was it up in like Sunset? Where was it? It was the old, the Lawrence Welk. The Lawrence Welk Theater. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I, th- I think it and 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 it was somewhere on either hall. It's it was like Hollywood Boulevard. That's that's a big deal for you. Were twelve? Uh, yeah, I was twelve years old, and I ju- I just sent in a tape. Like my neighbor was a drummer, so he like banged on the the wooden table, and I sang to it. And then um, I I happened to be um, singing down at the San Diego Padres stadium singing the national anthem. Um, the week that they'd called my home phone number and said, Hey, we want Jesse to come audition. And my father at the time had said, well, she's in San Diego right now. They're like, we'll just take a train up to, to, to Capitol records. So I took the train up to Capitol records with my mom. Um, she saw her first celebrity in the elevator. It was hilarious. Uh, and I auditioned, and then a couple weeks later in Iowa, they said, okay, we're flying you out to do the show. So, yeah, and that was at 12. Wow. It was so long ago. You know, it's like you watch it, and you're like, wow, that that that's me. 
Well, it came full circle to a certain degree, right? Because you're still in the industry and you're still using your voice and you're still singing, yes? The last few years, the focus has been coaching voiceover. Um, I found that I've got a way of getting people to take script or whatever the word on the page is and utilizing their imagination. Um, That's something that people don't think about. They think, oh, yeah, I can do voiceover. I can just read. Well, yeah, no no shit. Everybody can read, (laughs) you know. But can you actually use your imagination uh, and give it life, right? And I found that a lot of non-actors need that first step before they even try voiceover, right? Because they could because they haven't done acting before. Right, right. You've got to get creative and keep your foot on the gas pedal. Now, we celebrate people here who are doing good things, and everything you've discussed so far is beyond good. But you're here for something else you do called the Orange Cooler Project. Tell everybody what that is. So the Orange Cooler Project um, really started out of love as I I actually drove my car to the March on Washington in um, D.C. Uh, with the Reverend, uh, well, Jesse Jackson was there, um, Al Sharpton, and uh, all these people got up and spoke, and there was thousands and thousands of people on the mall. But my journey over there and while I was there is I, I, I had more conversations with the homeless people. And I just kind of got to know people at, on on a on a human level instead of looking at an encampment and going, "Ew, does that make sense?" Mm-hmm. So I came back, and one of the things I learned, you know, when I was crossing the country, is every day you should be helping somebody. Just do one thing, right? So I took that and I aimed it towards my own neighborhood and Skid Row. I was going down to Skid Row two or three times a week, um, giving out free lemonade. And because, I mean, it gets so hot in Los Angeles. People that live on the streets, they're dropping, right? Not only just from heat, but because they are on drugs and medication and things to numb whatever's going on in their life. So I, what I realized, you know, you sit back and look at you know, the United States like a big, big umbrella. People didn't have ice water. and there's people fighting over ice water in some places, you know, after a tornado, Texas, you know, I think they were taking care of. Okay. But you know, Katrina, are you kidding me? There's people fighting that should not happen in the United States. So I thought what I could do is provide orange coolers, a way to keep them cool, keep them alive while they're going through whatever they're going through. So I found the encampment, uh, on Etna street, which is, literally one street away and then I'd say two streets away from where I live. And I started bringing ice water to them and blankets, uh, hot chocolate when it was cold. And I started learning all about how this whole city deals with the homeless. And that's now been three years of learning, teaching, uh, and just bringing myself to the situation. And what myself did is I started picking, as I picked up a broom, I started cleaning up trash. I gave them ice water. After a couple months, people are like, hey, l- l- let me do that for you. I'm like, okay. 
So they started cleaning. So then we started realizing that, hey, they're not going to they're, they're not gonna come and take your tent and all your property every week if you keep your area clean, right? So that's what we've done. And, you know, it's been by myself. I mean, it's crazy to say. Um, but along the way, I've met other nonprofits and other mutual aid groups that, that have helped me and taught me the, you know, how to form a nonprofit, number one. Uh, the different grants, the different options that are available for funding, uh, and how the city works. And so I've, you know, I've been an entertainer my whole life. I was a singer for Disney and, you know, done some really cool stuff. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot more fulfilling in my life right now to take care of the people who need help. And yes, they may be addicts, but that doesn't mean you don't you forget about them, and it doesn't mean that you just leave them to die. Um, I myself am eleven years sober from um, alcohol and hard drugs, so I I have an understanding of um, where they're at. I myself, you know, was looking at homelessness unless I got a waitressing job, and so I remember that feeling of oh God. My my only option was going to a to a Christian one year program in Iowa. That was literally my only option at the time because there was no beds anywhere else, and I wasn't going to sign that piece of paper. So I got a job, and then I got another job, and I saved up a bunch of money, and I got back on my feet. So I understand where they've been, and I understand that they still have skills that can be utilized to help the situation overall. So I brought them trash bags, and I mean, this is literally every day, trash bags, brooms, and ice water. And now if you go down Etna as of an hour ago, the sanitation is no longer fighting with the people. Sanitation is just cleaning up what's the trash that's on the right-hand side of the street. So so I, so I figured out a way for the, the, for the, the sanitation department to compromise with the house list. Does that make sense? Yes. And and let's talk about a few things here. You said something so important, which is it all started from what you're telling us with communication. Yeah. Which is something has been a passion about yours, whether it's singing, performing, voiceover, and just talking to people. And I think that so much of the situation that happens in the world can just be simplified down to let's talk and right. let's listen to each other. Right. And I think that's so powerful. Yes, and, and that that that's that's called, you know, oversight as well. Because you've got all these different pieces in Los Angeles, all these organizations working and paying their own bills, right? In little circles. But what they don't realize is that if they would just connect aside from the dollar signs. <laughs> You know, aside from the dollar signs, just connect. You'd realize that this, this, these guys have this big green sheet which lists all the organizations. All these all organizations should have these green sheets in hand, right? It would make it so much easier, so much faster. But it, it's the same thing that's happening in City Hall with communication. And I think hopefully that's what Karen Bass is, you know, was, is dealing with. Um, they're has been a lot of fighting within the city hall. So it's hard to get any kind of resources from them. 
Um, so I had to go to the, the Van Nuys Neighborhood Council, which is the council that covers this area. Skid Row Council, um, I haven't approached yet. It takes me an hour to get there every day. So uh, focusing on just Van Nuys has been good for me because that's where I live. You have on your website written, we promote love yeah. in capitals, L-O-V-E. Talk to me about that. Love wins. You know, it's uh, love is something that everybody needs. I, I, I tell people that if you're going to solve houselessness, you have to solve loneliness first. Because <laughs> that's what really all of this stems from is loneliness. Somebody's medicating themselves. They're, they're, they're isolating. So showing love, even in the face of this person has hurt you over and over. Maybe they yelled at you last week, but now this week they're nicer. It's kind of like a big family, you know? I was about so, to say, I was about to say, this sounds like my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a family over there. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, really, truly like a family. I mean, you can only understand if, if you've been in it for three years now. It's it, <laughs> So, because it's one big, long street. And, and then there's one other encampment area, which is um, uh, Sipoy's area. And he's been there, you know, for years. And these are mostly people that do not want housing. A lot of people who have housing can't wrap their brain around that. And it doesn't speak to them. Right. And so it becomes this foreign thing of like, this is how you're supposed to do it. Much like, you know, most of the world is straight. Most of the world is gets married. Yeah. Most of the world has children. Right. Or that is what we are told we're supposed to do. Go get a job, get a house, pay a mortgage, right. put your kid through college, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And when they see things that are different, they they don't understand, especially this kind of thing. And I have an opportunity to do this. I, in my life, you know, being in the entertainment industry, I've moved a lot, um, was down, out, you know, had my addictions. I've, I don't have kids and I have never been married. So I've been able to spend these three years while I teach voiceover and do, do voiceover, you know, with, with these guys. I mean, it's such a rare opportunity that I've had that. I think I can, I really can make a difference. And going back to love, ask somebody what, what they need. You know, I, there's too many people stepping over bodies in LA. If the city was organized enough, they would have someone in the area, you know, consistently checking on people. But that has not happened with any organization. I hope that everybody who wants housing gets housing. I hope that everybody who doesn't want housing can find peace in where they are in their tents. I, I can't control the housing market. I'm not in that game. A hundred percent. None of us are, and none of us have any control. We barely have control over ourselves, let alone worrying about other people, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, and some people have, but some, some, some people have the resources, Right. Right. To make a difference. But because of what these people on the street have done to them in the past. It comes from compassion. It does. Yeah. It's it's just, I, it's, it's never ending compassion. You know, N nobody over there has ever done me wrong. Believe it or not. And 
that's because it's it's a certain respect because they know my intention there is only to help save their lives. Because there's a lot of things that could kill them on that street. Things they're doing to themselves, other people. You know, th- this is L.A. So if you're addicted to something and you, you owe somebody money, um, you're in the wrong tent at the wrong time. You know, there's there's a lot of things that can happen. So, you know, just kind of showing love, showing compassion, and asking what do you need. And it's the simple things. Trash bags, ice water. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because it goes back to many, many years ago. I was at the... Um, I don't know if it's a Rite Aid or a CVS. I think it's a Rite Aid. It's on the corner of Sunset and Fairfax. And I there was a whole group of people who clearly were in between homes and they were outside and they were asking for money, asking for money. I went inside. I was getting a bunch of things and I got a case of water and I brought a case of water out and that case of water cost me $4. And I opened up the case of water and I just started saying here and there were like 10 or 15 people and I handed one to a woman. She threw the water at me and she goes, I don't want your fucking water and threw it at me. And somebody else is like said said her name like, you know, Jenny, like, no, no, no. And she's like, she didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. Yeah. And I didn't know if they thought I was going to get like so angry. That's it. Give me all the waters back. Now you get nothing. I was just like, okay, she didn't want water. Mm -hmm. And so she said to me. She's like, you want to help? She goes, you want to help me? She goes, get me a job and some coffee. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I kind of smiled and laughed. And and her friend was like, you know, Jenny or Becky or whatever her name was. She's like, calm down, calm down. He's being nice. To- he's being nice. And I go, I well, I I don't know that I can get you a job. I mean, I suppose I could get you coffee. I go, but I'm a little afraid you're going to throw coffee at me if I, you know, like if I got her a coffee, she'd probably throw that at me. And she just like threw up her hands and she walked away. Oh, yeah. And again, this man looked at me. He's like, he's like, thank you. Thank you. And and I didn't do anything. Think about I'm not it. Think about some it like savior. They have to deal with that every day. You right know, in reverse. Yeah, because that's 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 part of their community. You know, there's there's different levels of needing help. <laughs> and there's different levels of mental anxiety and there's different levels of course, you know, of drug use. So you you just never know what you're going to get sometimes. Right. When you started all of this, did you get up one morning and be like I'm going to I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to take an orange cooler, fill it with ice, put water in it, give out water. Or did, what was the process? What was the first day? What was the spark? Oh, 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 the spark. (laughs) I was very much against Donald Trump during that election Uh and during the presidency. And the spark was of me getting up off my butt was driving to the White House. That was the spark. And then while I was doing that, I was staying in campsites and, you know, it was just me and my dogs. And I, I'm like, you know, what am I really doing when all these people need help? You know? So th- that's why th- that I think the spark was in a campsite 
like outside of Denver. <laughs> I was in a tent. <laughs> Which is ironic in a way because you're helping people in tents. Totally. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I have, I have a nice apartment here in LA that's rent controlled, which is very important. Um, they can only raise your rent by 3% every year, which if you ever move to LA, my advice to everybody is find a rent controlled apartment. Going back to what was the spark or? Well, t- tell us about your first day. Like, did you make a plan? Did you say, I'm just going to go down there and see what I can do? What was what was the first first day that oh. led to three years later of you creating this thing? Okay, you know where it was? It was actually in Seattle. You're all over the map. <laughs> well, during that summer of 2020, I I um driven to Portland and I was there for a week and a half, witnessing and being a part of all that stuff. And then I went to Seattle and Chop, aka Chaz, Chaz, um. I got there and I walked around, you know, the 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 encampment. Um everybody was kind of on edge, um you know, and the next day they uh basically cleared it, invaded it. It, it was the big in, encampment clearing of of Seattle and I was in an, in an apartment two streets away. What I did, because there's all these now homeless people that were totally displaced, um, I went to about a bunch of ice. I got an orange cooler. I went and bought pizza, blankets. I brought everything, a- anything in my car that I could give to these guys because they they didn't know where to go. There's people roaming around downtown, downtown Seattle. Well, there was a city college that was right there that had um, a huge, huge grass area. And so people started going there. Well, what I did was I got trash bags and I started picking up the trash around. And I said, you guys keep this clean, keep this clean. The city uh, came out and talked to the homeless and said, so long as you guys keep it clean, you can stay here. So I think that's where it first started. And then I came back to my own neighborhood and started doing that. So that so the first orange cooler was really in Seattle. What would you tell somebody who sees a similar situation in their neighborhood, what would you say to them on how they can help the situation? I would I, I would go in pairs just to be safe. Um, I'm a little bit crazier, I guess, and I live alone. And it, my, in my situation, it was during COVID when I started, started this. So, uh, you know, feeling like I needed to help the world. Well, now if if it happens in you know if there's stuff in your going on in your own neighborhood where there's people living in tents or there's somebody that's always on the street corner asking for money, talk to them. Just say, "How can I help you? What's your name? I'm Jesse." Oh yeah, cool. Oh, you're 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 a former carpenter. Oh no way. Um, I don't know a single person out there that doesn't have a skill you know, talk to them about their skill, you know, um, just get to know somebody. Remember, it's the loneliness that has to be solved. So just you approaching someone and saying hi might be the one thing that saves their life. Just give them some ice water. I give out a lot of lemonade. How can I help you? They're very simple words. Um, Of course, there's people that are always going to take advantage 
I'm tough, so I draw my line. No, I can't give you a ride. Sorry, it's a street rule. And if you're in LA, um, especially, you need to get to know uh, who the street leaders are, really, because there's always going to be people that are sort of leaders on the street for whatever reason. So, you know, just getting to know people, being approachable, you know, and even if someone is using and they are on drugs, they're still a human being. They're self-medicating for a reason, right? So use your common sense, you know, give them some ice water. And, you know, that what happened to you with that lady, that's really rare. I've, I, um, on, on Skid Row, on, yes, on, on Skid Row, that's happened to me. Yeah, because I'll, I'll go to hand somebody lemonade and they'll um, either push it out of my hand or, or call me a demon or something. <laughs> a lemonade demon. <laughs> you hear everything. Well, that's, that's very important what you said is that we have to take the judgment out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to take out the self-judgment and the judgment of others out. And you said something so key, which is even if somebody has a drug problem, even if somebody has an alcohol problem, they're still a human being. And that is just that is just the, the mask they've chose to wear at this time in their life. And hopefully it can get better for them. But we have to remember they're humans. Yeah. But, but, Terry, favorite guy on the street. I love Terry so much. You didn't know Terry unless he's threatened to burn your place down. <laughs> he's this old man that's always drunk. That's like... God damn, I'm going to burn you that bad place down. And I'm going to take that fishing, take you fishing, never going to show up. I mean, he just, like, his his imagination and his, how he's, what what he says is so comical, was so comical. Um, but Terry ended up having a stroke and um, he's in the n- nursing home now. But, yeah, you'll get those people that it's like... It's a different kind of human being. Let's just say that. I swim at a pool uh, three, four days a week. I can tell you worse stories about grown people who do things. There's a man at my pool who is in his 70s who made a pregnant woman switch lanes because he wanted her lane. And the pregnant woman switched lanes. And I, I have stopped swimming. To stand up in the pool and yell at this man across, I go, "What are you doing?" Like, just picture me, like in a bathing suit, screaming at a man across. I go, "Dude, sh- what?" And then I say to the woman, "Why did you move?" Well, he said he wanted the um, lane. I go, "Do not play small." I'm sorry. I go, "Stop apologizing." Like that's another thing. This happened with another oh woman. God, I love you. you- that's amazing. Thank I, you. We, I, need, we need more people to stand up for us like that. I know. And I say to say this, and I've said this before on the show. To all the women listening, stop apologizing. <laughs> do not apologize. Right, right. <laughs> you were in the lane. You didn't do a pregnant woman. I was I was gonna get out of the pool and punch him so hard. And he's also the man, not that this has anything to do with what we're talking with, but he's also the man who dives in the yeah. damn pool where it says no diving because it's four feet deep. And I've said for years, he's just gonna he's gonna crack his head open on the bottom and I'm gonna keep swimming. I'm just gonna be like, mm. <laughs> Well, maybe if you had gone in the right lane and not dove in, you'd have. But what my point being is we're all humans. There's bad behavior everywhere. Yeah. We can choose mm-hmm. to be 
the bigger person. We can choose to look beyond it. We can choose to be the good that's out there. And that's what you're doing. That is really what you're doing in the simplest of ways. And people do change. People do change. And and I don't mean like changing like, you know, them, but it's little things that they're learning because some people never did laundry in their family. Maybe, you know, some people never really swept, never used a broom. And this is all stuff um, that we don't think about. We all think about that we were all born educated, graduated high school. um, We're lucky enough to have parents who loved us. A lot of these people don't. They didn't have the background that would support what we expect as as normal life. What you're saying is we come at it from our own place and there is a judgment there because the way I was brought up is not the way you were brought up and and yet we can still be human to one another. Yeah. Yep. So so simple. So simple. Yeah. And you know, and forgiving. Forgiving because yes. things are going to piss you off. You know, oh man, I I've, I've wanted to stop doing this a few times, not just because of financially, um, but because of blockades with, you know, city structure, because of people who, you know, don't want to help cleaning up. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get mad at them, but actually that, that hasn't happened in like a year and a half because everybody now is pretty cool. So yeah, it, but, but I had to go through this this process with them, you know, it's not something you can just drop into and, and, and do. It takes time. It takes time and patience. We close our show with three questions. Do not panic. You know the answers. Question number one, tell everybody where to follow and find the Orange Cooler Project and how they can support you. Oh, that's awesome. Um, let's see. Venmo, the Orange Cooler Project. I know that. Uh, the website is www.orangecoolerproject.org. We are a 501c3, a small one that's here in uh, the Valley in Los Angeles. So we're getting some financial support locally um, from grants. And now uh, I'm going to start doing the social media thing because we have to these days, right? <laughs> it's how we communicate whether we like it or not. Exactly. Yeah. So I do have uh, Instagram, Orange Cooler Project, and Facebook. Second to last question can be anything we've talked about or anything you want to say. Question is this, who inspires you? Oh, man. <sighs> Kamala Harris? Am I even saying her first name right? I don't know. But... Yeah, I got to actually sit in on a private uh, invited roundtable in Iowa. And uh, I don't think I'm going to agree with all of her politics, but she inspires me. And let's see, who who else inspires me? My mom. My mom inspires me. She's just so nice. You know, I I have to keep thinking, don't change. The final question is not a question. It is just a statement to finish. We end every show like this. Again, you can say anything you want. Here it is. Tell me something good. Tell me something good. I know. Oh, Can't, God, afford it. Can't afford it. Can't afford it. I love it. Um, 
that there that there is love in the world. You just have to open your heart and open your eyes to it. Thanks, Jesse, for sharing your good. Go check out the Orange Cooler Project for more good info. Next time on World Gone Good. You know, our, our really our goal, uh, and for my own goal for my own child, um, who is now a very um, high functioning adult. But you know, it's it's to to help those children diagnosed with autism become successful adults with autism, because this isn't something. There's no cure. This is lifelong. You know, early intervention is so is so crucial on you know getting getting the child the right supports, et cetera, because not every parent has that skill set. Wendy Madore is the brains and balls, bowling balls, you have such a dirty mind, behind Stars and Strikes. It's the event that happens every year where everyday people, good people like you and me, we can grab a lane with our favorite soap star and knock down some pins and raise some money and awareness for autism. It's a cause close to Wendy's heart, and it's also the story of the good friendship she shared with actor Jerry Verdorn. Strike it up with us on our next brand new episode. You'll be glad you did. Until then, be good.